book two of chapter nine of the world's desire this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by annie hill the world's desire by h rider haggard chapter nine the waking of the sleeper ray departed wondering and heavy at heart and miriam the queen passed into her bedchamber and there she bade the eunuchs suffer none to enter made fast the doors and threw herself down upon the bed hiding her face in its woven cushions thus she lay for many hours as one dead till the darkness of the evening gathered in the chamber but though she moved not yet in her heart there burned a fire now white with heat as the breath of her passion fanned it and now waning black and dull as the tears fell from her eyes for now she knew all the long foreboding sometimes dreaded sometimes desired and again like a dream half forgotten was indeed being fulfilled she knew of the devouring love that must eat her life away knew that even in the grave she should find no rest and her foe was no longer a face beheld in a vision but a living woman the fairest and most favoured helen of troy argive helen the false hathor the torch that fired great cities the centre of all desires whose life was the daily doom of men miriam was beautiful but her beauty paled before the face of helen as a fire is slain by the sun magic she had also more than any who were on the earth but what would her spells avail against the magic of those changing eyes and it was helen whom the wanderer came to seek for her he had travelled the wide lands and sailed the seas but when he told her of one whom he desired one whom he sought she had deemed that she herself was that one ay and had told him all at that thought she laughed loud in the madness of her anger and her shame and he had smiled and spoken of pharaoh her lord and the while he spoke he had thought not on her but of the golden helen now this at least she swore that if he might not be hers never should he be helen's she would see him dead ere that hour ay and herself and if it might be helen would she see dead also to what counsel should she turn on the morrow night these two meet on the morrow night they would fly together then on the morrow must the wanderer be slain how should he be slain and leave no tale of murder by poison he might die and kuri the sidonian should be charged to give the cup and then she would slay kuri saying that he had poisoned the wanderer because of his hate and the loss of his goods and freedom and yet how could she slay her love if once she slew him then she too must die and seek her joy in the kingdom that osiris rules and there she might find little gladness what then should she do no answer came into her heart there was one that must answer in her soul now she rose from the bed and stood for a while staring into the dark then she groped her way to a place where there was a carven chest of olive wood and ivory and drawing a key from her girdle she opened the chest within were jewels mirrors and unguents in jars of alabaster 
ay and poisons of deadly bane but she touched none of these thrusting her hand deep into the chest she drew forth a casket of dark metal that the people deemed unholy a casket made of typhon's bone for so they called grey iron she pressed a secret spring it opened and feeling within she found a smaller casket lifting it to her lips she whispered over it words of no living speech and in the heavy and scented dark a low flame flickered and trembled on her lips as she murmured in the tongue of a dead people then slowly the lid opened of itself like a living mouth that opens and as it opened a gleam of light stole up from the box into the dusk of the chamber now Miriamon looked and shuddered as she looked yet she put her hand into the box and muttering come forth come forth thou ancient evil drew somewhat to her and held it out from her on the palm of her hand behold it glowed in the dusk of the chamber as a live ember glows among the ashes of the hearth red it glowed and green and white and livid blue and its shape as it lay upon her hand was the shape of a coiling snake cut as it were in opal and in emerald for a while she gazed upon it shuddering as one in doubt minded i am to let thee sleep thou horror she murmured twice have i looked on thee and i would look no more nay i will dare it thou gift of the old wisdom thou frozen fire thou sleeping sin thou living death of the ancient city for thou alone hast wisdom thereon she unclasped the bosom of her robe and laid the gleaming toy that seemed a snake of stone upon her ivory breast though she trembled at its icy touch for it was more cold than death with both her hands she clasped a pillar of the chamber and so stood and she was shaken with throes like the pangs of childbirth thus she endured a while till that which was a cold grew warm watching its brightness that shone through her silken dress as the flame of a lamp shines through an alabaster vase so she stood for an hour then swiftly put off all her robes and ornaments of gold and loosing the dark masses of her hair let it fall round her like a veil now she bent her head down to her breast and breathed on that which lay upon her breast for the ancient evil can live only in the breath of humankind thrice she breathed upon it thrice she whispered awake 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 and the first time that she breathed the thing stirred and sparkled the second time that she breathed it undid its shining folds and reared its head to hers the third time that she breathed it slid from her bosom to the floor then coiled itself about her feet and slowly grew as grows the magician's magic tree greater it grew and greater yet and as it grew it shone like a torch in a tomb and wound itself about the body of miriamon wrapping her in its fiery folds till it reached her middle then it reared its head on high and from its eyes there flowed a light like the light of a flame and lo its face was the face of a fair woman it was the face of miriamon now face looked on face and eyes glared into eyes still as a white statue of the gods stood miriamon the queen 
and all about her form and in and out of her dark hair twined the flaming snake at length the evil spoke spoke with a human voice with the voice of miriamun but in the dead speech of a dead people tell me my name it said sin is thy name answered miriamun the queen tell me whence i came it said again from the evil that is in me answered miriamun tell me whither i go where i go there thou goest for i have warmed thee in my breast and thou art twined about my heart then the snake lifted up its human head and laughed horribly well art thou instructed it said so i love thee as thou lovest me and it bent itself and kissed her on the lips i am that ancient evil that life which endures out of the first death i am that death which abides in the living life i am that which brought on thee the woe that is in division from the heart's desire and the name thereof is hell from life to life thou hast found me at thy hand now in this shape now in that i taught thee the magic which thou knowest i showed thee how to win the throne now what wilt thou of me miriamun my mother my sister and my child from life to life i have been with thee ever thou mightest have put me from thee ever thou fliest to the wisdom which i have and ever from thee i draw my strength for though without me thou mightest live without thee i must die say now what is it tell me and i will name my price no more will i ask than must be for ah i am glad to wake and live again glad to grip thy soul within these shining folds to be fair with thy beauty to be foul with thy sin lay thy ancient lips against my ear and thine ear against my lips said miriamun the queen and i will say what it is that i will of thee thou ancient evil so the human-headed evil laid its ear against the lips of miriamun and miriamun laid her lips against its ear and they whispered each to each there in the darkness they whispered while the witch-light glittered down the grey snake's shining folds beamed in its eyes and shone through the queen's dark hair and on her snowy breast at length the tale was told and the snake lifted its woman's head high in the air and again it laughed he seeks the good it said and he shall find the ill he looks for light and in darkness he shall wander to love he turns in lust he shall be lost he would win the golden helen whom he has sought through many a way whom he has followed o'er many a sea but first shall he find thee miriamun and through thee death for he shall swear by the snake who should have sworn by the star far hath he wandered further shall he wander yet for thy sin shall be his sin darkness shall wear the face of light evil shall shine like good i will give him to thee miriamun but hearken to my price no more must i be laid cold in the gloom while thou walkest in the sunshine nay i must be twined about thy body fear not fear not i shall seem but a jewel in the eyes of men a girdle fashioned cunningly for the body of a queen but with thee henceforth 
i must ever go and when thou diest with thee i must die and with thee pass where thou dost pass with thee to sleep with thee to wake again and so on and so on till in the end i win or thou winnest or she wins who is our foe i give thee thy price said miriamun the queen so once before thou didst give it answered the evil i far far away beneath a golden sky and in another clime happy wast thou then with him that dost desire but i twined myself about thy heart and of twain came three and all the sorrow that has been so woman thou hast worked so woman it is ordained for thou art she in whom all woes are gathered in whom all love is fulfilled and i have dragged thy glory down woman and i have loosed thee from thy gentleness and set it free upon the earth and beauty is she named by beauty doth she work who is the golden helen and for her beauty's sake that all men strive to win our wars and woes our hopes and prayers and longings without end but by evil dost thou work who art divorced from innocence and evil shalt thou ever bring on him who thou desireth a riddle a riddle read it who may read it if thou canst thou who art named miriamun the queen but who art less than queen and more who art thou who is she they named the helen who is that wanderer who seeks her from afar and who who am i a riddle a riddle that thou mayst not read yet is the answer written on earth and sky and sea and in the hearts of men now hearken to-morrow night thou shalt take me and twine me about thy body doing as i bid thee and behold for a while thy shape shall wear the shape of the golden helen and thy face shall be as her face and thine eyes as her eyes and thy voice as her voice then i leave the rest to thee for as helen's self thou shalt beguile the wanderer and once if only once to be a wife to him whom thou desireth not can i tell thee of the future i who am but a counsellor but hereafter it may be that woes will come woes and wars and death but what matter these when thou hast had thy desire when he hath sinned and hath sworn by the snake who should have sworn by the star and when he is bound to thee by ties that may not be loosed choose miriam choose put my counsel from thee and to-morrow this man thou lovest shall be lost to thee lost in the arms of helen and alone for many years shalt thou bear the burden of thy lonely love take it and he shall at least be thine let come what may come think on it and choose thus spake the ancient evil tempting her who was named miriamun while she hearkened to the tempting i have chosen she said i will wear the shape of helen and be a wife to him i love and then let ruin fall sleep thou ancient evil sleep for no more may i endure thy face of fear that is my face 
nor the light of those flaming eyes that are my eyes made mad again the thing reared its human head and laughed out in triumph then slowly it unloosed its gleaming coils slowly it slid to the earth and shrank and withered like a flaming scroll till at length it seemed once more but a shining jewel of opal and of amethyst the wanderer when he left the inner secret shrine saw no more the guardians of the gates nor heard the clash of the swords unseen for the gods had given the beauty of helen to odysseus of ithaca as it was foretold without the curtains the priests of the temple were gathered wondering little could they understand how it came to pass that the hero who was called eperitus had vanished through the curtains and had not been smitten down by the unseen swords and when they saw him come forth glorious and unharmed they cried aloud with fear but he laughed and said fear not victory is to him whom the gods appoint i have done battle with the wardens of the shrine and passed them and methinks that they are gone i have looked upon the hathor also and more than that seek ye not to know now give me food for i am weary so they bowed before him and leading him thence to their chamber of banquets gave him of their best and watched him while he ate and drank and put from him the desire of food then he rose and went from the temple and again the priests bowed before him moreover they gave him freedom of the temple and keys whereby all the doors might be opened though little as they thought had he any need of keys now the wanderer walking gladly and light of heart came to his own lodgings in the courts of the palace at the door of the lodging stood ray the priest who when he saw him ran to him and embraced him so glad was he that the wanderer had escaped alive little did i think to look upon thee again eperitus he said had it not been for that which the queen and he bethought himself and stayed his speech nevertheless here i am unhurt of ghost or men the wanderer answered laughing as he passed into the lodging but what of the queen not eperitus not save that she was grieved when she learned that thou hadst gone up to the temple of the hathor there as she thought to perish hearken thou eperitus i know not if thou art god or man but oaths are binding both men and gods and thou didst swear an oath to pharaoh is it not so ay ray i swore an oath that i would guard the queen well till pharaoh came again art thou minded to keep that oath eperitus asked ray looking on him strangely art thou minded to guard the fair fame of pharaoh's queen that is more precious than her life methinks thou dost understand my meaning eperitus perchance i understand answered the wanderer know ray that i am so minded then ray spake again darkly methinks some sickness hath smitten Miriam the queen and she craves thee for her physician now things come about as they were foreshown in the portent of that vision whereof i spoke to thee but if thou dost break thy oath to him whose salt thou eatest then eperitus god or man thou art a dastard have i not said that i have no mind so to break mine oath he answered 
then sank his head upon his breast and communed with his crafty heart while Ray watched him. Presently he lifted up his head and spoke. Ray, he said, I am minded to tell thee a strange story and a true, for this I see, that our will runs one way, and thou canst help me, and in helping me, thyself and Pharaoh, to whom I swore an oath, and her whose honour thou holdest dear, but this i warn thee ray that if thou dost betray me not thine age not thy office nor the friendship thou hast shown me shall save thee speak on odysseus laertes son odysseus of ithaca said ray may my life be forfeit if i betray thy counsel if it harm not those i serve now the wanderer started to his feet crying how knowest that name i know it said ray and i tell thee that i know it thou most crafty of men to show this that with me thy guile will not avail thee for he would not tell him that he had it from the lips of the queen thou hast heard a name that had been in the mouths of many said the wanderer perchance it is mine perchance it is the name of another it matters not now know this i fear this queen of thine hither i came to seek a woman but the queen i came not to seek yet i have not come in vain for yonder ray yonder in the temple of the hathor i found her on whose quest i came and who awaited me there well guarded till i should come to take her on the morrow night i go forth to the temple and there by the gates of the temple i shall find her whom all men desire but who loves me alone among men for so it has been fated of the gods thence i bring her hither that here we may be wed now this is my mind if thou wilt aid me with a ship and men that at the first light of dawn we should flee this land of thine and that thou shouldst keep my going secret for a while till i have gained the sea true it is that i swore to guide the queen till pharaoh come again but as thou knowest, things are so that I can best guard her by my flight, and if Pharaoh thinks ill of me, so it must be. Moreover, I ask thee to meet me by the pylon of the Temple of Hathor to-morrow at one hour before midnight. There we will talk with her who is called the Hathor, and prepare our flight, and thence thou shalt go to that ship which thou hast made ready. Now Ray thought for a while and answered somewhat i fear to look upon this goddess yet i will dare it tell me then how shall i know her at the temple's gate thou shalt know her ray by the red star which burns upon her breast but fear not for i will be there say wilt thou make the ship ready the ship shall be ready Eperitus. and though i love thee well i say this that i would it rode the waves which roll around the shores of chem and thou wert with it and with thee she who is called the hathor that goddess whom thou desirest End of chapter nine